right, welcome to the Free Man Void. I'm your host, Victus D. Void. That is, of course, if you're watching on BitChute or YouTube, if you're listening on the podcast, Free Man's, Free Man's Addendum, I'm your host, Victus D. Void. Um, sorry about the um, inconsistent uploads. I apologize. Things have been a little rocky on my end. Nothing serious as in, like, dark thoughts or so. Just uh, scheduling and so on. But uh, today we have a very important uh, conversation for you all, and that is a conversation concerning why there seems to be an increase in at least hatred for the police or a distrust. See, I know a while back during the uh, BLM riots, there were a lot of there was a lot of talk about defunding police, and of course, a lot of uh, uh, Republicans immediately shot back. They were immediately against it. And me being a, I was a centrist at the time, but I'm more of a libertarian right. Still, as of right now, I am not, a, I'm not for defunding the police at all. I, I'm against all of that. But recently on the internet, I've seen a lot of um, even conservative and Republican people uh, preaching hatred about the police. And it, does, it doesn't exactly make sense to me. So I started um, doing, or at least paying more attention to the criticisms they may have for the police uh, system and the uh, justice system as a whole. And I started putting together some thoughts about what is fueling this uh, growing, uh, you know, distrust and just disliking of the over, of the police in general. Um, and it all started with, uh, of course, the recent... Uh, debacle and Oveda. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. You guys know that. Uh, you guys know that little uh, school shooting play, uh, thing that happened. <laughs> the school shooting thing. But that school shooting that happened back then, not back then, at least a few weeks ago. Um, a lot of people saw how the police failed to uh, respond in a in a way that was to that would have minimized the amount of death and the overall bloodbath that occurred in that um, school shooting. And because of that, I have seen an increase in anti-police sentiments online. Hatred for the police has become a bipartisan and a biracial sentiment. Um, because prior to this year, really, hatred for the police, or at least general hatred for the police, was portrayed in the media as a black thing. Uh, which always fascinated me because most of the people I know who hate the police are like um, right-leaning, uh, for lack of a better term, white trash people, like uh, blue-collar white people who just don't like... Because they, they, of course, are treated the same way as inner-city ghetto, ghetto black people uh, in their communities. Police officers tend to look down on them because what there seems to be a dichotomy that exists within between um, American communities. If you're a wealthy individual um, and you live in a wealthy area, you tend to be treated with more respect and, and more dignity by the police um, system and the police force of your community, whereas your counterparts in lesser uh, um, um, privileged areas are kind of treated as trash almost, and they're they're considered as an immediate suspect for whatever crime is, um, uh, you know, being reported. Which, to some extent, it would make sense, you know, because a lot of poor areas are known are known for crime and criminal criminality. 
but um, there seems to be a, a distinct um, distrust for the uh, for the poor coming from the police uh, system and police officers. People seem to view police officers as downright jerks, douchebags, and power-hungry sociopaths, or just crooks with a do-whatever-I-want-and-get-away-with-it card, which comes in the form of their police badge. Now, again, I want to make this clear. I do not feel this way. I've met lots of many um, great police officers that I think deserve their recognition and praise for their job. The majority of police officers are not bad people. That is true. I agree with that entirely. And they are hardworking individuals just trying to do their job. However, with that being said, there are a lot of police, uh, bad police officers, a lot of bad cops, and I mean a lot of bad cops. And it's these cops that make the entire police force look like a pack of thugs with the government's permission to kill and abuse the public. It comes down to uh, the general fact that a few bad apples always makes the other bad apples look rotten. You know, because if, if I'm reaching into a, a, a apple um, box or whatever, and I see a few rotten apples on, on top, my assumption is the other apples have been infected as well. So I just disregard, I will, I will likely disregard the entire box. This stands for everyone, you know, like the few bad apples of our communities will be the very reason, the very reason our uh, identity groups are viewed in negative lights. You know, it's just a fact. The problem, well, I'm going to get into that in a second. Let's, I'm going to read to you or bring to you a, um, a four different types of, or four different cases that have occurred and they represent, or at least they kind of embody, you know, the kind of circumstances individuals are worried about um, when it comes to why um, they distrust the police. And these are the reasons why the general public does not or has a negative view of the police force. Of course, there are dozens upon dozens of different types of cases, but I just need—I just really need to discuss these uh, four cases in particular. The first case I'm going to bring up involves a Marine who had almost the entirety of his life savings stolen by police officers. Uh, this comes from an article on uh, Bitcoin.com, and it's titled Legalized Theft. Police seize $87,000 from former Marine, but don't charge him with a crime. $87,000, but they didn't charge him with a crime. So here's how it goes. A recently published report that went viral across social media details how a former U.S. Marine, Stephen Lara, or Stephen Lara, was pulled over by police and was suspected of being a drug trafficker. You know, police then searched Lara's vehicle and subsequently took $87,000 in cash from a, from a bag kept in Lara's trunk. Lara, who also had a stack of automate, automated teller machines, ATM receipts, that showed the funds were legitimate, said, I could not believe that I had just been literally robbed on the side of the road by people with badges and guns. Uh, police pulled him over for allegedly driving too close to another vehicle and asked Lara if they could search his vehicle. Lara complied with the search and told the officers he had a lot of cash in his car. You know, law enforcement said the drug-sniffing cocaine canine that was on the scene had smelled narcotics on the cash found in Lara's vehicle. 
There it is. The, the the dog smelled narcotics on a vehicle on cash that had no narcotics on it. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> Do you see how this is clear manipulation and police uh, seizing upon seizing upon a situation that they could uh, you know use in their favor to eat, to walk away with thousands of dollars that are not theirs. Um, Lara's vehicle had zero drugs on it or in it, and was not and he was not charged with any crime. However, the police called a member of the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA, to help with the seizure. It meant that the police could take Lara's cash without charging him with a crime, despite having all the ATM receipts and complying with the officer's search. The state agents took his money, and Lara was stunned. Lara told the Washington Post this week, I left there confused, I left there angry, and I could not believe that I had just been literally robbed on the side. You know, I already read that part. But it says, uh, the government says it will return Lara's fund. Justin Amash says adopted forfeiture is legalized theft authorized through executive policy. So continuing on with the article, the government has said it would return Lara's funds, but it was only because or after he uh, hired an attorney and contacted the media. At first, the U.S. Justice Department, the DEA, and the Nevada Highway Patrol declined to comment on Lara's story. However, after the, after the news broke, a spokesperson for the DEA said Lara's money will be returned and the DEA is reviewing existing policy on adoptive, adoptive uh, forfeitures. The news of Lara's civil uh, forfeiture story made the headlines everywhere and went viral on social media. The American attorney and U.S. representative for Michigan's 3rd Congressional District for from 2011 to 2021, Justin Amash, spoke out against the government's actions against the former Marine. Um, I'm not going to read the rest of that, but you, you get the picture. You know, the only reason why this man is receiving any form of justice is because he refused to go down quietly. He refused to allow them to have their way with him, really. They literally came in and took his money. <laughs> and they expected him to just... Follow the rules. See, there's a whole process to that anyone, everyone has to go through to getting their money back, which would require them to, you know, wait years and years and, 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 you know, go through dozens upon dozens of paperwork. And it's just a tedious process that many people just don't have the luxury to be able to, you know, handle. That man's entire life savings were t was taken from him. You know, and if you watch the video, which I will be playing for those who end up um, watching the YouTube video, he specifically says he doesn't trust the banks, which is justified. <laughs> he shouldn't trust the banks. So he, he took his money out of the banks to keep with himself. And the officers literally took his money. He, he committed no crime and they took his money. Do you understand why people <laughs> see the flaw in the way the American police system operates? Like, they had no reason to take any of his stuff, but yet they just took it. <laughs> An innocent man was robbed, and the only reason why he got justice was because he refused to go down quietly. Moving forward, here's uh, article number two that discusses the second situation, or the second type of situation. So this next article is focused on what took place during the uh, George Floyd riots and protests. This particular event took place in a protest that was nonviolent. Um, and I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the George Pro, uh, George Floyd protests um, in general. I, I think the entire event was used as a psyop to really manipulate uh, the American people. However, this incident um, is a clear violation of or a clear um, incident of baiting on the behalf of the police officers and trying to in order to get a reaction from the crowd that did, that would then justify 
um, harsh retaliation. So, a St. Paul, Minnesota truck driver, Jaleel K. Stallings, 29, fired three shots at a white cargo van with darkened windows after people in the vehicle fired at him and others who were protesting the death of George Floyd, which had taken place five days earlier. Stallings, an Army veteran with a permit to carry, said the protesters were running from the van and warned him that people were shooting from the vehicle as it rolled slowly down Lake Street. Stallings said that after being hit by a rubber bullet himself, he used his handgun to shoot the vehicle in an attempt to scare the attackers off. What he didn't know is that the van was an unmarked police vehicle full of SWAT officers authorized to enforce the city's new 8 p.m. curfew and that they were firing less than lethal bullets at random people who were still on the street. Stalling faced two counts of attempt second-degree murder, uh, two counts of first-degree assault, and one account of second-degree assault, and three other charges for firing at unmarked police van. No officers were injured. If he had fired knowing that they were police, that's a very different context than firing at unknown civilians and a white van said Eric Rice, which is Stallings' uh, attorney. And after a jury recently found Stallings not guilty on all charges, Rice pushed to get all the evidence in the case released to the public, showing that uh, Stallings' perspective and how officers handled the arrest. For the last year, Mr. Stallings was, was called a cop killer, and I think if you look at the evidence, the story is more complex than that. The newly released video also reveals that officers attacked Stallings before putting him in handcuffs. For nearly 30 seconds, two officers can be seen hitting and kicking him while he was face down on the ground. Stallings suffered multiple bruises, cuts, and an eye so socket fracture. The police claimed in their reports that they had to assault him because he was resisting. But in a ruling earlier this year, a judge found that not to be the case, writing the video evidence does not support the officer's testimony. The Hennepin County Attorney's Office still decided to take the case to trial. In a statement, a spokesman said that the jury has spoken. We accept their verdict and the system worked. The spokesman found the MPD confirmed that, they, that there is an open investigation with the Office of Police Conduct Review and declined to comment further. Um, see... This incident, while even if you disagree with what took place um, uh, with, with the George Floyd protests or not, when individuals are protesting and not being violent, you cannot then go around shooting bullets at them, rubber bullets, and then at, be surprised they shoot back when you are in an unmarked white van. You know, you, if you're going to do that, you need to be in a police cruiser, clearly showing that you are a police officer, and even then... Shooting at people is going to get you shot back at. It's just a fact. It doesn't matter what you're shooting them shooting them with. If they don't know if they don't know what you're doing or why you're shooting at them, they are going to shoot back at you. The same event would have happened if it was in like what let's say a white trash uh, community with uh, an entirely different protest and cause. It would have taken place except a lot worse cuz more people in those communities have guns than they do in inner cities. But um yeah, you know, it's if you shoot at people in an unmarked white van, expect them to shoot right back at you. And instead of being honest about the situation and recognizing where the confusion may have came from, they pushed a narrative that uh, Mr. Stallings was being violent and uncooperative when the second they came out, <laughs> the video shows him complying, except him getting his ass beat for a few seconds, you know, I think a minute or so, and then they put handcuffs on him. You know, and they, they tried to push the narrative that he was being, again, uncooperative and violent. 
that doesn't add up because the evidence literally went against you. When police take actions and then lie about their actions, you know, if they take actions that causes the general public to retaliate in a manner due to the confusion over their actions, they need to be honest. In this situation, these are police officers simply using their power to get what they want. And this is where it comes from. In situations where there, are, there is confusion, you know, and police are not being straightforward, they still get the final word. And that is not fair from a civilian's perspective. It's not fair at all. It puts us, uh, it gives us the short stick of the equality stick, if that makes sense. And it, it just creates an unfair dichotomy between us and the police force. If you shoot bullets of any kind at someone else and they are not aware of why you are shooting at them or they don't even know that you are the police or the, you are the police force, do not be surprised that they shoot back at you. It's like, like it's common sense. If I shoot, let's say a, a freaking, I don't know, a freaking Nerf bullet at someone and they don't know that it's a Nerf bullet. All they see is a gun being shot at them and they shoot right back. Well, again, it's it's not fair that I got shot by a real gun. It's what am I doing? I'm being an idiot shooting at random people. I don't I don't know and don't engage with them. It's, it, it makes sense that somebody's going to shoot back at you if you shoot at them in the first place. That's how it goes, man. That's how these things work. There's an abuse of power. There's, an, there's a, a system of abusive power, you know, within the police force that doesn't get uh, doesn't get reprimanded or never almost rarely gets reprimanded and acknowledged due to the fact there's a brotherhood culture within the police force. Now, as children, we are taught to view police officers as heroes, guardians that protect us from the bad guys who wish to do us harm. The problem with this narrative is that it becomes impossible for us to continue to view police officers this way when we have thousands of videos that show police being anything but the heroes we were told they were. However, do not get it twisted. As I said before, most police officers are good guys. But here's the thing. Those good guys very rarely stand up to the bad guys. Why? Because again, there exists a brotherhood mentality amongst the police. This is the hive mind effect that forms within every identity group. Justifiably so, police officers have adopted a brotherhood mindset of it's us against the world that unifies officers across jurisdictions. This brotherhood encourages officers to respect one another and it encourages loyalty, blind loyalty. This blind loyalty encourages officers to stand with one another regardless of the situation. So, in moments when an officer is caught on camera or reported to have committed violations of an individual's rights or flat out committing crimes against the public they were swore to serve and protect, officers are, are encouraged to stand with their brothers no matter what. Those who don't are blacklisted, and here is an example of that blacklisting. This article is titled, Cops Trial Threatens to Expose Code of Silence. The federal whistleblower suit claims that the department blackballed two officers. So this article is written by a Jason Meisner. Meisner. So the Chicago police officers Shannon Spaulding and Daniel Echevira said that they risked their careers and possibly their lives exposing a team of dirty cops who ran their own criminal refdom or fiefdom at a Southside housing complex. 
The pair of narcotics officers worked secretly with the FBI for two years trying to nab the allegedly corrupt crew run by Sergeant Ronald Watts, a former public housing uh, officer notorious for shaking down drug dealers for protection money and pinning false cases on those who wouldn't play ball. The potential dangerous undercover work eventually led to the federal charges against Watts and other officers who were convicted and sent to prison. But instead of promotions and praises, Spalding and Echevera alleged in a federal whistleblower lawsuit that they were blackballed by their own department and labeled as rats by superiors and they were sent out to uh, do nothing jobs and even had their lives threatened. Nearly five years later, the explosive civil rights lawsuit filed by Spalding and Echevera against the city and top department brass is scheduled to go to trial on Tuesday at the Durkin's, uh, Durkin U.S. Courthouse. The trial comes at a time of heightened scrutiny for City Hall and the continued fallout over the viral video of the fatal shooting of 17-year-old Laquan McDonald. The case threatens to expose an ugly side to the police code of silence that allegedly put at risk the lives of cops willing to uncover corruption within their ranks. In a sworn disposition, Spalding testified that when she and Echevira were re reassigned to a different unit in 2011 after their undercover work, their new sergeant warned them that the entire team knew they were rats and would not back them up on the streets if they were in trouble. He said to us, to be honest with you, I'd hate to one of these days have to be the one to knock on your door and tell your daughters you're coming home in a box. That's how serious it is, Spalding testified. The city has denied that any supervisors retaliated against Spalding or Echevira. In recent court filings, lawyers for the city have, have said neither officers ever formally complained about their alleged mistreatment and that at least one of their reassignments was the result of the reputation for being difficult to work with. See, that's what happens when you stand against bad people. That's what happens when good cops take a stand and, you know, refuse to back down. There is a culture of dismission and disrespect. You know, dismission. Is that even a word? Dismission? Or, you know, I mean, dismissal. It's a dismissive culture of real justice, a real desire to for real justice, you know, that puts good guys in jeopardy when they take a stand against the bad cops you know like and that's where a lot of the resentment comes from you know when the good guys are not allowed to correct the bad guys the bad guys go unchecked and then they do bad things like the other articles we read about and bad rules are set in place that infect the system as a whole moving forward everything we've just discussed plays into the reasons why the general public dislikes the police but why do they not trust them well, whenever a major corporation is caught engaging in practices that clearly violates the law and leads to the deaths of everyday Americans, we never see police officers raiding their offices and tasing them until they go into cardiac arrest. No, we never get to see the CEOs who sign off on these operations being forced to lay on the hot summer pavement at gunpoint, and we never see the officers taking their money from them either. What does that do to the way the general public views the police force? Well, it destroys the image of the police being heroes for everyday Americans and instead makes them appear as guardians for the corrupt system, protectors for the corrupt oligarchs who rape and plunder the American people, and government-sanctioned killers. That's all I got for you today. Thanks for tuning in. Um, it's, been a lovely, it's been a lovely time talking to you. Again, check out my book, Societal Evolution, Journey to the Dollhouse. Aside from that, ladies and gentlemen, stay loyal, stay focused, and of course, God bless.